on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Google's annual ad safety report is here, and boy, there were some explicit violations. A new bug in Google ads through fellow PPCers for a loop. We find out that Greg is actually a convertible influencer, and we are not talking about cars. I made fun of Jess's poor husband for calling into a radio show where literally all I do each week is tweet to say, call us at call.marketingclock.com. This episode was off the charts, so make sure we're on your radar. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios, located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on March 19th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our Famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. What's happening, y'all? Have an eventful week, anyone? <laughs> Define eventful. <laughs> Having events. Yeah. <laughs> or full of events. Yeah. I had like a little birthday celebration for my dad with our family outside at a fire. My sister's hair only got a little bit singed by hmm. the fire that was a, a minor little blip on otherwise what was a nice day of seeing some family I haven't seen in a while. Nice. Is your dad by any chance St. Patrick? <laughs> Yeah, and very much in the same way that St. Patrick is not at all Irish, my dad also is not at all Irish. So they're the same person. Same birthday. Fact. And another fun reminder is that since 1998, not only is it the song of the summer every summer, it's also the best song to play at your family St. Patrick's Day birthday celebration, um, Say Love You by Beatles. Is that the one you played before the show? Yeah. I disagree. The one you said you never <laughs> wanted to hear again. Yeah, that one. No thanks. I think it's phenomenal. All right, Jess, how about you? I, well, I have discovered that my husband is one of those people. It's You don't call in anymore. You text into radio stations, terrestrial no, radio stations. No, he does not, Jessica Twice Bond. in the last week separately, he has told me about times he's texting Sh- Shred and Reagan, which is a local morning show on the local rock station. And no. like they're reading his texts and thinking he's funny and like kicking off bits. He told me yesterday, he's like, I started a bit on the Shred and Reagan show today. And I was like, oh yeah, what was it? He's like, I said there was a squirrel in the Sabres locker room and that's why they're not playing well. And I didn't listen to the show, so I have Jess. no idea how that fits. Jess. This is what's happening with the pandemic. A year of a pandemic is too long for your poor husband. We need to get him some help. Seriously, what about you? It's been really busy around here. It's just everything's been busy. And my wife uh, decided that travel restrictions means she's 
planning a vacation. And so she did. And so now I got a vacation planned. She's like, do you want any input? And it stresses me out. I don't like traveling. I would just do the same thing over and over and over again. And then like go into the woods for the weekend or something. Um, but now I'm all stressed out because I have to go on a vacation again because everything's lifting and vaccination is here, which is good. But it means vacations are back and now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sad is maybe a strong word. Do you know where well, you're going? Well, our vacations are... are you know, we've we've chronicled this many times. So. Mm-hmm. It's yes. it's always great material for this opening segment. It's yeah. true, whether or not it's a great so, trip. Yeah, <laughs> well, there'll be some there'll be some good stories, I'm sure. And if you want another fantastic story about the funnel, we've got Andrea Cruz and Glenn Schmetzel, uh, and Mark Saltarelli, the one oh. and only, uh, on our most hey. recent marketing talk. And we have another fantastic marketing talk coming up here in March. But don't miss that over, and you can catch it on YouTube or, again, right here in the podcast feed. All right. And heading into the main news here this week, lead story from PPC Greg. Greg of the Year from Clockscurse last year, 2020. And, you know, I think he's currently in second place here in 2021. But he shared a screenshot over on Twitter, at PPC Greg on Twitter, And he said, what is this? Hashtag PPC chat. And there is a screen of match type. And what he's doing is trying to go filter through in a report, it appears like. And in the match type, you can see broad match, exact match, phrase match, exact match, close variant, which has always been there. Phrase match, close variant, which has always been there. It helps you filter out what, you know, terms are actually, what's performing and what's matching. Mm -hmm. But then there's something in there called smart matching. And you could apply and and sort by smart matching. So PPC Greg asked Ginny, said, hello, I've looked all over the help articles on match type, but I couldn't find anything on smart matching. Do you have any information on what it is or what it is going to be? And I guess, quick question, what do you think of when Google says something is smart? Jess. Dumb. Me too. That's exactly what I think. I, think, I see smart match and I'm like, I've been trained to be like, this is dumb. So like, this is going to be a dumb thing. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, the new Google Ads liaison, the fantastic Ginny Marvin at Ginny Marvin on Twitter is her current handle. I don't know if there's going to be a new one for the Google liaison-ness, but she said, and she responded to Anu from the PPC Chat Roundup podcast and say, I've connected with the Google Ads team and I'm tagging them here to follow up. And the follow-up was, this filter option was the result of a bug that is now being fixed, but no traffic was affected. This experiment is one of many small tests that select advertisers have opted into. I just get that tattooed on me so I can read it easier. It's actually tattooed into my brain. It's one of a small test. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we don't have anything more to share at this time. So again, this is kind of a slower news week, but this is big that there appears to be looming a bug or maybe a potential new match type called Smart matching. Any well, thoughts? If it was so small, I don't think it's significant enough to show up in our ad accounts. Zing. Wow, shots fired. It's also is is this the most like did like Google at Google Ads come out of a Twitter hiatus to respond? To I think Jimmy <laughs> got over there. Jimmy's commandeering the account. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. Yeah, Jess. Any thoughts on your end? I don't know. I was just gonna make a similar joke and say that smart matching was a close variant of dumb 
I don't know. We already made that joke, though, so I had nothing. Do smart and dumb mean the same thing? <laughs> they do now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I I would be curious to see what this small test was. They're probably not going to share any more information about what actually was being tested, but I would love to know. Mm-hmm. Like, and, what does that mean? Yeah, and they actually, I believe... Um, expanded sort of like what I had made that one joke about with aggressive targeting and conservative targeting and they had called it loose tight and conservative or something like that they actually updated it with those those words and we'll hear a little bit more about that in the take of the week so anyway look for smart matching again nobody really knows anything about this but just something to prep Generally, you don't have a bug spelled 100% correctly in the accounts with matching that is uh, live for everybody. All right, Mark, over to you. (laughs) Wow, we've got another story about Google Ads in the main news this week from Barry Schwartz on Search Engine Roundtable at Rusty Brick on Twitter. Google's annual ad safety report is here. And... In 2020, Google Ads blocked or removed over 3.1 billion ads for policy violations, restricted over 6.4 billion ads, suspended over 1.7 million ad accounts, and pulled ads from over 1.3 billion publisher web pages. I would like to know, like, these are all, like, very important statistics to share out, but I would like to know how often um, an appeal was actually reviewed Mm -hmm. by their manual, by their automated process. Because I do think a lot of these were warranted, but who knows kind of how this automation is working. We know they got rid of half their support staff at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, And we've all seen in our accounts um, disapproved ads that we don't agree with. And I actually just started cloning ads from one ad group to another and editing them to get around the automated disapprovals. Yeah, and really a policy violation, even if you have like a 404 on your landing page, right? It shows up as a quote policy violation. Yeah, exactly. To your point, how many were just resubmitted for approval with an updated landing page and and went Mm -hmm. through? Yeah, I I do really appreciate that they're sharing this out so Mm -hmm. we know how often it's happening out of how many... Um, I think the more interesting part is what they shared about um, COVID-19 and the election. So due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Google blocked over 99 million ads for price gouging, promoting products in limited supply, such as N95 masks, um, fake cures, and now even fake vaccines. So I like to see that they're actually taking action on this. Like, whereas we might be salty about some automated disapprovals, I'm very happy to see that they're trying to be like a good steward and react to the situations that are happening in the world. And with the election, um, after the fact, Google temporarily paused more than 5 million ads and blocked ads on over 3 billion search queries related to the election. And while on the COVID front, obviously all those different type of ads, you know, telling people whatever to inject bleach or whatever to stop (laughs) COVID. That's a a fantastic way to use these disapprovals. Mm -hmm. But there was a conversation that happened on Twitter from a tweet stemmed from Glenn Gabe on Twitter sharing some of this information and tagging other folks. And, And my side, I've seen them actually be way too stringent 
on some of the COVID related mm-hmm. ads where we go through and we have a B2B, let's say, you know, supply company. And we're trying to show people that are contractors gathering around um, in a safe fashion, wearing masks, and then, you know, firing over back to our construction section for, let's say, it's remarketing. Well, if they have masks on, then it's flagged as being mm-hmm. sensitive. And we then take this ad and have taken this ad and said, all right, let's use something that is a pre-COVID-based creative that doesn't have masks so that we're not deemed sensitive. But then you see an ad that I think is arguably a more sensitive ad because there's people within one foot of each other without masks, but you can't use mask content to promote on Google. And then We'll run through as well with new creative and with, with different things and show masks. A simple disposable mask in a display ad is flagged as sensitive. And then on certain platforms, you can't buy the term face mask or cloth masks or anything. And it's, I don't understand what mm-hmm. they're doing there. I get the fake vaccines. I get mm-hmm. the anti-vax. I get all that. But at the same point, I think Google and Microsoft, it's a fight to try to help people become more prepared for less transmission. I don't understand that at all. And I think that mm-hmm. was a huge miss. And we'll link it over. Sign up over at marketingclock.com. Get the newsletter and you'll see the full-on discussion. Julie Bacini was in there. I think Kirk Williams added some things. Um, Melissa Mackey, there's a, a really good conversation. And I think I think they missed on this. And as much as, as they, they blocked that was harmful, I think they blocked a lot of good. Mm-hmm. And they blocked people and they blocked the connection of making it a normal thing to have people in masks and ads. Right. You're just trying to have relevant creative to the times, but you're not necessarily advertising a mm-hmm. COVID-related product. Yeah, and yeah. you're considering the sensitive events. You're trying to be exactly. sensitive. I feel like you're doing the right thing by including the mask and you're being punished for it. Right. Yeah. And again, I am not saying that at the beginning, blocking N95 masks for advertisers to consumers when there was a shortage in hospitals I understand that, but we're a year later and we're trying to get people to wear masks and you can't advertise masks. And that's not, it doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense to me. It's either the masks are good or you don't let people advertise it. And I, then they're bad. I don't get the message that's being put out there with it. And my biggest issue is that there's no way when you get wrongly disapproved, there's not there's no real way to deal with it. And they, with Facebook the appeal, too. You're just hitting the appeal button mm-hmm. and it really does nothing. You used to have a text box a couple of years ago where you could say like why you disagreed with the situation that usually worked and you could tell them why you disagreed and they someone would usually review that and be like, oh, like we made a mistake. This is on because a lot of these approvals get flagged based on like one word mm-hmm. and you just use the wrong word and they put it into this category. They're like, oh, like this is alcohol and gambling. I'm like, actually, this is like a software product, <laughs> but I don't know where you got that from. Mm-hmm. Um, and things get put into all sorts of crazy categories that aren't related and you can't appeal it at least with microsoft you can talk to someone after like waiting a while but google you really don't have an option other than like trial and error i think microsoft still has that box too at least they did as of a couple months ago the text box Mm -hmm. where you could write in an appeal because i've used that and it's worked but yeah not on google Mm -hmm. and um 
The other really great thing in Barry's article is that he included some visual breakdowns of um, everything that was like blocked or disapproved. So for the 3.1 billion ads blocked, you can check this out in his article, um, the largest categories um, were 867 million for abusing the ad network. Um, pretty vague. Um, 205 million for healthcare medicines, which I think makes sense with everything going on with the pandemic, and 200 million for trademarks, which I think, honestly, this one strikes me as a very common one of people trying to advertise products that work with other products but don't have the right permissions. Um, for the restricted ads, which were there were 6.4 billion of, um, the largest category was adult content at 1.8 million. And this was more than double the next largest category, which was alcohol at 80 million. And if you look into like the publishers who had ads removed from their web pages, there's a bit of a trend there that's relating to the restricted ads, where the largest category was also like sexual content at 981 million. And this was almost six times the size of the next largest category, which was dangerous or derogatory content, which had 168 million web pages have ads removed um, by Google. Yeah. And again, you can head on over to marketing clock sign up and get um, all the links and see everything over there but my question is what is the difference between sexual content and sexually explicit content <laughs> <That's> like <laughs> seems about the same like so really that number is even higher right like that's pretty close oh my i didn't yeah, even yeah. know but like how they add those together like oh no this one's explicit like like <laughs> <laughs> a certain threshold sounds like a tv rating or something like the difference between what like MLB PG thirteen and, and yeah R, yeah, and then my favorite for the um for the one for the the bottom number on there was uh, enables dishonest dishonest behavior. It's just like oh, you're just an enabler of being being a bad person. Like, the, you're like hey, what did you get banned for? Ah, oh, I was just enabling. I'm an enabler of dishonest behavior. Like you should you know, you know those people. Like you yeah. went to school with somebody that's like enabled dishonest behavior, oh, right? Yeah. For sure. And everybody, they were like the class clowns too. Everybody loved them, but they were just trying to get you all fired up. And... Well, you're blocked on Google. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week was a response to a tweet of mine. And my tweet was, I think it was take of the week back a few weeks ago, where I said broad match should be called aggressive match, phrase match should be expanded match, exact match should be conservative match. Well, Mark Bassoni at Mark B Clicky on Twitter said, broad match, your ads will appear against all searches on Google. <laughs> phrase match, 99% of searches. <laughs> exact match. 98% of searches, which, again, I thought was a take in and of itself. But then PPC Greg hops in and uses that winky meme from WandaVision. Again, I don't watch WandaVision. I'm not cool enough for that. But it's the it's the mom from Step Brothers that's in WandaVision oh, yeah. doing the winky face where he, they've got, quote, exact, quote, winky face match. Caleb, you watch WandaVision, right? You're sort of like our resident... Um, I don't know, fantasy comic? Uh, that's a fair description. Connoisseur? So. Yeah. What, what, 
this is WandaVision, right? Yeah, this is uh, from the Disney Plus original series, WandaVision. Okay. And I, I know <laughs> that there's that. the there's like the robot man, right? There's a robot man. Yeah. And like Pleasantville. Like right. Robot man in Pleasantville is what I get from the, the ads. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the whole reference is basically just the one's not spoiling anything. And then like last minute, uh, there's a very exaggerated wink, as you can see. Oh, but, yeah. So we need mm-hmm. PPC Greg to sing a song. At, <laughs> call in, not, not at. It's call.marketingclock.com. Greg, we need your song. But yes, that was a uh, the spicy take for the week. The yeah. winky at the exact ads. Mm-hmm. And we stand, Catherine Hahn. And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have I See Why Am I people. From Pamela Lund, the queen of spice herself, bringing, honestly, not much spice this week, but that's not the point of this section. I See Why Am I. <laughs> <laughs> that was spicy, Mark. <laughs> I'm not calling her out. I'm just making an observation. Go on. If you want actual spice, go to Pamela underscore Lund on Twitter and you'll find some there. Just did a demo with Nextdoor. Targeting and demo are kind of the like okay hand signal three times. Really looking forward to checking this out. Thanks for the $300 credit, Foxy. And she is quote tweeting Andrew Foxwell at Andrew Foxwell on Twitter who said, we're all looking for incremental spend in places to test. We all want to bring new ideas to our clients and a place to find some new and inexpensive eyeballs. What if I told you we had that place and over one-fourth of the households in the U.S. were on it? And he went on with a thread about advertising at next store. And the main takeaways are that um, they look exactly like normal paid social ads, so you can reuse your creative there from other networks. Um, there's great location, audience, and interest targeting. And as well, um, some case studies have revealed that 76% of Nextdoor users say they've been influenced by an ad on the network, and 67% of those users have actually taken action as a result of those ads. So this is an audience that is actually really engaged with the ads on the platform. So definitely something to check out if it makes sense for your personas. And my only gripe was that in the tweet from Andrew Foxwell, there is the shack gif of him kind of doing that, that funny little shake. Yeah. But it wasn't the one where then the cat did it back. Have you oh. ever seen the one where Shaq does it and then the cat does it and they both cat just keep shaking? Yeah. yeah. That's a great gif. That's what belongs there. You're absolutely yeah. right. Oh, it was man. a great gif. <laughs> How dare you. <laughs> now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid news this week, we have a tell-all interview between two leading ladies. And no, I'm not talking about Oprah and Meghan Markle. Amy Bishop asked our new Google Ads product liaison, Ginny Marvin, some burning questions about Flock. And you can head over and read the full interview on the Search Engine Journal to get the whole details. But I have some key takeaways that I want to share with all of you lovely listeners. First um, up, recent results from testing Flock with in-market and affinity audiences um, have proven comparable to third-party 
cookies. So we aren't going to lose much on our actual like audiences that we have within Google ads as a result from shifting to from cookies to flock. So that's like rest assured that will remain the same. And we've also been assured that reporting for these in-market and affinity audiences as well as placements for ads will also be barely affected. I think the biggest takeaway for me personally and a question we've all kind of been asking is how will remarketing work when, with the move to flock and they've guaranteed it's web remarketing is still going to be available to advertisers in 2022 when cookies are phased out um, we have already been told that customer match will no longer be a thing but basically google is designing a new separate secure server to store first party website data um, for remarketing only um, that will use some sort of on-device bidding algorithms um, to enable remarketing while still keeping that data separate. So only the website owner can use that data and it can't be used for um, any other types of audiences. So I think that honestly for me is the most important takeaway because the thing we've all been the most nervous about. Um, also some other little tidbits that came out of that. Um, there may be an opportunity in the future to use flock IDs to build your own custom audiences and interest groups. And Ginny also dived into how cohorts will actually work um, and how the people will be clustered um, into groups based on their browsing behavior, which um, she confirmed will be updated on a weekly basis. Um, but cluster size of those actual cohorts is still being tested. Um, honestly, like after reading this, I feel pretty confident in this as a solution that is going to give us the tracking we need, the personalization that we need as advertisers, but still address privacy concerns that people have with cookies. Nice. And and my biggest takeaway, not to run to run too far away from the story, is that um, obviously Flock is good, but we have actual seagulls outside. Did you see that and hear that? <laughs> and it's just like, I feel like I'm in a simulation right now where the minute you're talking about your flock, uh, the seagulls come outside. So oh, take that. me back right to the 80s. Or that one Deftones song where they got mm. finally got seagulls on the track. Yeah, I think I'm going to run so far away <laughs> from this one. <laughs> nice. Next up, it's our friend Julie Vicini at Neptune Moon on Twitter. First time I'm seeing this in Google Ads, hashtag PPC chat, and it's a notification she got that says eligible, limited, in parentheses, um, danger, like warning icon, um, yellow with the exclamation points, a triangle. Um, you'll see it on YouTube. You should go watch there. Um, low inventory. Your ads are only eligible to be shown on a limited number of searches based on your current keywords. Add additional relevant keywords or dynamic search ads to help get more conversions. And to be clear, this is different. Like it's not like low search volume keywords. It was like a completely separate thing. And Julie's like in the replies, this is going through it. And 
She literally says there's a different recommendation in the optimization score requirements in the same campaign that is telling her to remove other keywords. <laughs> and they're both telling her there's too low inventory for this campaign, but also to remove keywords. And then Gil Hong responds, um, He's like, oh, I bet that really helped your optimization score. And she's like, yeah, 0.7%. So <laughs> there's a lot going on there. And obviously everything's limited. Like everything is, <laughs> there the are point. infinite searches yeah. about sweaters for dogs. Like there are very minute <laughs> number of searches for that. And it's finite. Like everything's finite, obviously. Like, yeah, there's low inventory. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. it. But I want those people. That's my that's my inventory. That's why I'm paying so much for this. If there if there was infinite, I wouldn't pay much for it. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but my other favorite response was um, from Aaron Levy said low search volume, the 2021 edition, and she says LSV 2.0 though because none of the keywords that are running are LSV, which I already touched on. This is the beginning of broadening everything and let us handle it. At least that's what it feels like. And. It is what yep. it feels like. They're just trying to broaden it. Mm-hmm. Like smart matching anyone? Mm-hmm. Like that's a very small test, Greg. You had to opt in. Not a, it. a mm-hmm. bug. <laughs> but, but maybe your dog sweaters can also fit on cats <laughs> and computer mice. <laughs> <laughs> and here he is again, 2020 Greg of the Year at PPC Greg on Twitter. If you're running Microsoft Ads, keep an eye out for this email requires explicit opt-out hashtag PPC chat. And I am like very terrified that our good friend Microsoft Ads is going to turn on us here. (laughs) It says, hi, Greg, good news. Your Microsoft advertising account has been chosen for optimization. So he's the chosen one. Um, but whenever I of hear... Course. Sounds like the Hunger Games um, <laughs> I do not think he volunteered as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever an ad network says optimization, I'm like, eek, what does that mean? Um, the Microsoft advertising team will make simple changes to help improve the performance of your ads and save you time in your campaign management. We'll review your keywords, bids, extensions, images, and campaigns and potentially optimize each current or new campaign feature, including features you opted out from previously. That parentheses is a yikes from me or generate additional campaigns that are relevant for your account um it goes on and basically my big red flags are obviously reopting into things you opted out of um b um while the people at microsoft ads may know a lot about microsoft ads they do not know a lot about your business so they should definitely not be spinning up new campaigns because they don't know what they're doing and see my main thing is that you have to explicitly opt out of this. I think it should be more of an opt in. Like if you have very low resources and you need help and Microsoft ads is offering this to you and you're just like a one person in-house team, or you're just like really strapped at the time. I could see there being some things that are helpful, but to just have to opt out of someone just coming into an account that you're managing, you're putting all of this hard work into is really horrifying knowing that someone at Microsoft ads who doesn't know your business at all could just hack everything up like that. And they're talking in here too about shifting budget. Yeah. Around. Between campaigns. Yeah. Yes. Like, no. 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 <laughs> no. And then they're like, well, your spends may go up as a result of getting more clicks. 
raise your cards. Come on, it's like, Microsoft. It's really, I thought we were friends. This is sad. Well, we actually are, and we may have something a little special coming here in April, hopefully. So, Aww. fingers crossed. I love when we get special treats. And rounding out the paid news this week, it's Davies Rupslakis. And he's coming to us from LinkedIn, not Twitter. Wait, he works at LinkedIn? No. Okay. He is a digital marketing manager at SimpleSite. Nice. <laughs> and there's a nice little like target um, emoji there in his job title. So that's very fun. I had a fantastic invite for somebody that was unlike any title I've ever heard on LinkedIn before. And he said he listened to the show, so he might be listening to this oh, now. Hello. Hi, friend. But Can't wait to hear what your job title is. I know. The title on LinkedIn was... Fun- okay, oh, Caleb, I told you. <laughs> Caleb's giggling already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, seemed like a very nice person, and I, um, I'm appreciative of, of the follow or whatever you do on LinkedIn. But the message, the title was... The dopamine dealer of LinkedIn. Wow. Um, I'm I'm terrified. <laughs> that sounds like a little like dystopian. But alliteration is always a plus. I, I do love that. Yeah. But it sounds like something that would happen in like a YA novel where like people are like just like selling dopamine. <laughs> just say YA. Like <laughs> yes. young adult fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. We were just talking about the Hunger Games people. Uh, well, I've never we'll... been in the presence of such cool before. <laughs> such cool. <laughs> well, we'll see. I guess if he actually listens or not. So. Hey guys, my, 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 my title is um, such cool manager at marketing a clock. <laughs> Chief YA officer. <laughs> Anyways, what was the news? <laughs> our good friend from LinkedIn. I actually shouldn't. I don't know you, so I hope you want to be friends. Um, Davies Repslakis, PPC people. We finally got this on Bing as well. Like in my previous post, it is a very small thing, but I needed it more than on one occasion. Custom columns. Yes, finally. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Rejoice. I can now do some custom conversion rate calculation. This one might be for a while, but I noticed it only now. Perhaps someone else has missed it as well. Thank you for sharing. All right. That is it for paid this week. Greg, what stories do we have in organic? Well, first up from Search Engine Roundtable and Barry Schwartz, a.k.a. Google, if you look at his (laughs) Google My Business (laughs) search traffic. There was an unconfirmed Google search ranking update that occurred between the... 10th of March and the 11th of March. So right after we recorded last week, and I love the way that Barry started. He goes, I know, I know, this is getting ridiculous. And what I won't do to stop reporting on all these Google algorithm updates that are unconfirmed, but the beginning of 2021 is unlike anything I've seen from Google in terms of how volatile the organic search results are. So maybe mark this down in your Google Analytics annotations on the 11th of March. And just, you know, maybe it's a minor tweak. And then my favorite thing is 
Do you know how they, like people do that, like earth porn, and have that like you know like Matt? There's like a Reddit group, and it's like it's you know like Matt porn, and you just like see cool visuals and stuff. Are, are do you guys know what I'm talking about? Flagged for this by Google Ads? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, explicit here. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which, though, how people say that, and no. it's just like no? oh, like it's food the porn, sun, but for Caleb, like the sun setting at the Grand Canyon. You know YA stuff, right, Caleb? <laughs> you are. <laughs> couple years out of that. Greg, how much cool do you have, <laughs> Greg? I am. Currently lost on this adventure <laughs> you you're taking us. About? Is it not just like pictures of like pretty scenery yeah. on Earth? Yes. Of, like, yes. Nature? It's like food well, porn. Okay. Yes, that too. Like look but at people this, are, like, look things we yeah. just but you asked can't, you and but you can't, going. But you can't just say it's like it's nice. You can't just be like, oh, cool food. You, you can be like, food porn. I'm so awesome. Right? <laughs> so, you gotta click on cool food. <laughs> but anyway, I love every time there's one of these little minor updates, There's it's like chart porn for what Barry puts through where mm. there's like every single search like <laughs> like tracker for volatility. He grabs every single one every time. <laughs> and I just love looking at him. I just love it. And it's like half of them look like Christmas colors. The other half are like just, just branded blue. And I... Personally, I think the SEM rush one is the best. But You're every such time a nerd. I look at it, I'm like, which one's the best chart here? <laughs> I don't know. Wow. So anyway, <laughs> if if for anything, even just check out the different charts. It's phenomenal that there are this many charts of a search engine algorithm potential mini update. It's just every time I see it, I laugh. I can't. It can't not make me happy looking at these stupid charts. I love that you don't even care about the content of the charts. No, no, the charts. I just love that Barry has all the charts. I feel like he's got like a little control panel over there, and he's oh. got charts on each one, and he's just screenshotting charts. I. And he gave us some great charts in his article in the main news, too. It's all charts. We should make a new section that's just charts. Charts Charts and stonks. (laughs) Chart talk. (laughs) Chart talk. And next up, just in time for the warm weather, YouTube is rolling out shorts. And it's the shorts camera that will now allow you to add text to clips, as well as to resample audio from other videos throughout YouTube. Although creators can opt out from letting their audio be reused. And they released this in a post that was dated the 18th of March that they then removed. But um, the fine folks over at the next web kept the entire post, and that's what we're reporting on. So they said in coming months, we'll launch the ability to use audio from videos across YouTube, which include billions of videos worldwide, unlocking a new playground of creativity like never before. I added the blah in there, but um, it is cool. It does look like there's a camera feature where you can cut up and mix things and make stuff short because we don't have attention spans anymore. Yeah, some nice jean cutoffs. (laughs) Or the unzippy ones that Greg wears. Yes, convertible. 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 Unzippy. No. Practical. Practical Mm -hmm. pants. All right. (laughs) We do love alliteration. All right, and next up, Google My Business is allowing you to easily manage your reviews with a new tool. And this comes over from Search Engine Land and the phenomenal Barry Schwartz, power listener of the show. And he says, the newest feature within Google My Business allows local SEO practitioners to see recent reviews on their listings in a single place and check the status of reviews they reported to Google. And I like the fact that he's like, allows a local SEO practitioner. 
That's how Barry thinks. Barry's SEO all the time, every day. That's why he's got the control panel. That's why he's got the charts. <laughs> it's because it's always SEO. It's like, no, and small businesses can look at this too. But anyway, you can hop in there and take a look at all of your reviews. And it's funny. He just puts all of his reviews that he's got out there, and they're all great reviews, except one, I think, has like a three star with no text on there. Oh, they probably really? just thought he was Google. And it's like, oh, you know what? It's. Not quite close. <laughs> Three stars. He's still pretty close. <laughs> and so then you can also check your review removal status if you did think that there was something that you had reported about a review. All right. And next up, we're sticking here with Google. And they launched the fact that their career certificates are expanded and, and available now. If you recall, the fields are data analytics, product project management and user experience design but there's now a new one as well oh my god can i guess go charts no barry's already got that course the difference between what you want and what they're doing (laughs) it is an associate android developer certification which prepares learners for entry-level jobs in android development and yeah so i i dig that i love the fact that you can hop in and do career certificates and pick this up and google's offering it i think it's from coursera i forget exactly so don't hold me to that Mm -hmm. but another thing that i love even more is that they're providing a hundred thousand scholarships to be distributed through nonprofits, workforce development boards and other community organizations so that is fantastic and then another announcement from that article is that they're connecting um, the career certificates with companies that will accept it. So I think they added oh, another cool. 130 companies and you're going to hop in and you can join and say, I'm going to be a participating employer that I will take this as basically a, you know, a certificate of higher education or something. Love that. Cause that's cool. And then lastly, they're enhancing job search. So um, there's an example that they had for like no degree jobs. They're going to be able to kind of filter that a little bit better and give people a better experience. So nothing but positive vibes from Google there. And additionally, Google is testing displaying cost estimates in local search re- results. And this also comes from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Land. And the results are being powered by HomeWise. And a good example is if somebody searches for roof repair, it's almost like a little knowledge panel that shows up that says roof repair, $226 to $272. Your cost may differ. And then it shows the breakdown of where the, the costs come from. And in this case, it's mostly labor, which I think is kind of cool. But at the same time, it's a, there's a lot of variation in costs. And yeah. many times, not all the time, many times you get what you pay for on this. Mm-hmm. And imagine if somebody's like PPC, because you imagine pricing out PPC. Like that would be really difficult because there's a lot of bad PPC practitioners out there. And then, I, I don't know. Like I think that's weird because we just, I was just down in the basement at our new office here <laughs> trying to figure out some water problem. And one quote was literally half of the other quote. And we're going with a higher quote, you know, because it's a better quote. I don't know. I just. This also, though, probably has some room for improvement. I know this is just an example, but the labor cost is it's all a range. Right. But material cost for roof repair is eleven dollars 
to eleven dollars. That's it. That's it. That's an eleven dollar roof. Okay. No, it's one shingle. It's eleven bucks. Don't do two shingles. You're out of here. That's the entire range, though. So I don't know. Maybe some room for improvement. Only one type of shingle. Like it doesn't matter if your roof is star shingles or if you have a metal roof or if it's like ours and it's like a flat roof. Right. Yeah, I I don't know. So again, not enough inputs. There's not mm. there's too many variables and not enough of them are kind of taken into consideration. Correct. But okay. And then next up, there is a new Search Central Lightning talk, and this is by Danielle Marshak, a product manager at Google. I really enjoyed this video. I thought she was fantastic. A lot of times, the Search Central videos are a little blah, but I really liked the energy Danielle brought to it. And she covers how does Google index videos how Google identifies and understands those videos, where the videos can show up on Google, um, and then a bunch of best practices. So it was phenomenal. Caleb and I were talking about it. Um, it was a great video. So if you have any questions at all on Google videos and search, check it out. And next up from Google was an, a report about games. So they had their global insights report. And to me, the big takeaway is this is a really nice visual as to how you do like benchmark reports for something. It's a phenomenal visual. There is actually some good information in there, like what people are playing and things like that. But there's also a lot of fluff. Like one of the, the metrics that they gave was a, a, a chart that kind of like, you know, came to life. And it's like 45% of global gamers are playing new games since lockdown. It's been a year. Yeah. It's been a year. Like new game people play new games. Well, I'm still just playing solitaire. <laughs> well, then you're the yeah. one. You're the one. <laughs> I'm still in my old games. This is a nice yeah, one chart, of the fifty-five percent then. But like that's <laughs> what is that? It doesn't mean anything. I don't know. So anyway, check that out. And then lastly, from the Google Analytics Twitter account at Google Analytics on Twitter, there is a simpler and more powerful conditional expressions in Data Studio. And the biggest thing here is there's an if. So you can check that out, marketingclock.com. We'll get you right over to the support documentation on that. But there is a if uh, uh, conditional that is new. So pretty awesome. Love to see it. And that is it with Organic Bud. What's happening social? So much, which I feel like I just say every week. That should just We should just record that as a bumper. So it just says, so much. So much. Yeah, make that into a shirt. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. <laughs> First up, TikTok has added a new comment review option so that creators can control what's displayed alongside their clips, which is nice, I think. TikTok says, and I quote, with our new filter all comments feature, creators can decide which comments will appear on their videos. When enabled, comments aren't displayed unless the video creator approves them using the new comment management tool, end quote. So you have to not only delete things you don't want to see, but you have to actually approve the things that you do want to see or have on your videos if you enable this. So that sounds lovely, assuming that people have that kind of time. I know I don't, but in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that creators are reading every single comment that their fans leave. So Did okay. you read that comment about you last week? Someone left a comment about me? Yeah. <laughs> a, no, they didn't. And B, way to call me out. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. <laughs> What'd you say, Mark? Was it nice? I said you were great. <laughs> no, but somebody called you white shirt girl once. Do you remember that? They did, which Wait, is you wore funny because that wasn't black. Yeah, the one time I don't wear black other than today, I was called white shirt girl. <laughs> Man, they were like, "Who's that new white shirt girl?" I only know the girl who wears a black shirt every week. <laughs> I wore green for St. Patrick's Day this week, but all I had was camo. Oh, I, I didn't even see you over there. Stop it! Greg has made that joke three times today. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, from the talking head. 
Also from TikTok, some upcoming changes to ads. CNN media reporter Carrie Flynn, that's at Carrie M. Flynn on Twitter, she shared a notification that she received within the app this week. And it says, upcoming changes to ads. To help TikTok stay free, we partner with advertisers to show you ads. Based on your settings, you currently see general ads that aren't based on what you do on or off of TikTok. Starting April 15th, your settings will change and the ads you'll see may start to be based on what you do on TikTok. You'll still have control over whether ads can be more tailored to you based on data from our advertising partners. So basically, they're changing your settings and I feel like you may is really you will, but tomato tomato moving on to facebook they're adding new ways for creators to make bank including the ability to monetize videos as short as 60 seconds with what they're calling a minimally interruptive ad running at the 30 second mark so andrew hutchinson whose obviously article this is notes that this could help lure more creators from tiktok to facebook which maybe i don't know but from an advertising standpoint i just think it's nice to know that more inventory will be coming our way and if you're a creator and want to learn more there are some other options as well including some stuff going on with stars and donations um, that can happen on live streams so check out the link from our newsletter to learn more about that and we all know that it is cool to break the rules and be a rebel rock star billy idol if you're not hurting anyone but there's a lot of actually harmful stuff going on within facebook groups and those Breaking those kinds of rules is not cool. So the platform is cracking down further on those groups and their members. When it comes to the groups themselves, those known for repeatedly violating community guidelines will be essentially downranked in recommendations. And if new users attempt to join those groups, they'll be met with a warning that kind of tells them, hey, this is what's going on. And there's some other changes as well designed to reduce those groups' visibility. Yes, and for those class clowns, aka individual users within the groups, if they have repeated violations within their Facebook groups, they will be temporarily stopped from posting or commenting in any group, and they won't be allowed to invite others to join or create new groups. So, all good things. Goodbye, trolls. I thought you loved them. I love trolls too. No, troll too. And then the trolls soundtrack. Mm. Those are different things. I love them both equally. Well, <laughs> Not no, internet no. trolls. To They're be boring. clear, there is like a Trolls World Tour. That's the soundtrack that I you love. didn't watch. Yeah, but you listen to the soundtrack of because it's like covers of good which real is something songs. a psycho does. No comment. You can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Instagram Lite will be made available in 170 regions. And for those unfamiliar with what that is, it's essentially the stripped down version of the app where users in regions with lower connectivity can still use most of the app features. So that's really nice. Mm, I thought it was like a keto thing. <laughs> Only Greg would use mm. that. <laughs> <laughs> Some food porn. <laughs> Oh, so the platform Instagram is also rolling out new safety features to help keep the kids safe, which I love. This is an interesting move. They're focusing more on limiting the interactions that adults can have with teens versus limiting <laughs> functionalities that teens can use. I like how there's just like now. Yeah. Well, now. <laughs> Let's limit the teen adult. Yeah, it's maybe a little bit late, but I like it. And I like that they're definitely taking the adult focused approach, like stop trying to talk to all these children. And they're like warning kids if too many adults or if adults with too many friend requests to kids under 18 are messaging Ugh. them. I know it's gross, but it's like, great. It's just a little late. Hey, they should hire Chris Hansen. <laughs> Do you think he's there. available? Do you know I saw him once in Times Square and he was wearing a trench coat and it just seemed so fitting. Like he looked like... Like the trench coat was well fitted? Yeah, like custom tailored. I'm sure it was custom tailored because I think he's probably got a lot of money, but it just, it fit his persona. I don't know about that either. Yeah. At the time, I mean, it's not like this was recent, a recent sighting, okay. to be fair. All right. 
Is anyone here using fleets? No. Oh, I forgot about those. It's a resounding no. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. But if you are, you'll be happy to know that Twitter has added the option to turn off the DM notifications for fleet reactions, which is one of the things that I'm most annoyed about on Instagram. Like, I don't need a DM every time somebody puts, like, a happy face on my story. So Instagram's not doing that. I wish they would, but Twitter is. So. Rejoice. Fine, I won't put a happy happy face on yours. Well, I, I want, do that. I want that notification, but I could just use a notification. Then I open a DM, and then I feel like I have to like it, and it's like a whole thing. Maybe it's a me problem. Yeah, it's a you problem. <laughs> you, should, you should have text like into a radio show. station and make it a little bit there. <laughs> I'd be so compatible with my husband then. <laughs> okay. Something else we could potentially rejoice about other than updates to fleets, the development of new business profiles on Twitter. This is actually something, so listen up. It looks like they will include, obviously, the standard information in your location, your hours of operation, what kind of business you are, but they're also considering including verification and a badge confirming that you are an official recognized business, which seems really helpful. And Twitter has also launched a survey to ask about some other content that may be valuable to include in business profiles, and they actually sound like good features. Some include a product showcase panel or a content showcase, a direct link to con- or contact options, app store links, an image gallery, a couple of different things. So it's great to see that they're working on this. Again, probably kind of late for talking about people behind the times, but better late than never. Business profile on Twitter sounds great to me. And the platform is also testing full image display in the timeline, which makes sense, especially in the context of the example they gave, in which someone basically tweets, took this guy out on the water and he loved it. And then it's just a picture of water. But if you see the expanded version, there's a cute little puppers there sitting in a boat, which I feel like you really need for the context um, of that tweet. Yeah, then that's like nature porn. <laughs> Greg's just rolling oh, his eyes. I'd rather see a chart. I know it's not a chart. Give me chart. the charts. Could you imagine if the chart was cropped? Round table. Yeah, if your chart was cropped, it wouldn't be as lovely. So you want this feature too, <laughs> data nerd. All right. Sticking with the bird here, they are working on a big overhaul of TweetDeck, apparently. That is according to The Verge, who couldn't get a ton of details out of Twitter officially, but did confirm that work is being done and we should hear about it sometime this year. Let's get excited. And you know what else we've been hearing a lot about mm. clubhouse <laughs> you see what i did there no i no, heard what i heard it. <laughs> i want a, i want a clockster 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 give me that clockster anyway happy anniversary to clubhouse too by the way i think it's their anniversary they did announce this week a new creator acceleration program called Creator First, in which they'll provide resources, including the monetary kind, to a select group of creators to help them build their following and their dreams on the platform. So if you're interested, you can head over to create it, cr- excuse me, you can head over to creatorfirst.joinclubhouse.com to learn more and apply, but just to manage expectations, I think they're going to support about 20 creators. So, And I read another article saying this is to co- help compete against spaces because Twitter spaces is coming with their platform. Mm-hmm. If you're really competing, maybe make an Android version, you psychos, right? <laughs> like, why not do that? I don't, I don't under, ever understand that. There's, so there, more people use Android than I, iPhones. I get it. iPhone users are probably more likely to use Clubhouse, but still, like, you don't need to make these. You, you make an Android version, and you get more users. Yeah. Why would you not do that? It doesn't make any sense. Or do both. I mean, if you're only going to help twenty do people bo- yeah, make but content, you got. If you're going to miss fifty percent of the market, hit that first. Start big. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. But. Yeah, and it's definitely not available on the BlackBerry OS. <laughs> All right. Lastly here, some Snapchat news by way of 2019 BFF of the show, Glenn Gabe. He tweeted, 
a sign of things to come for Snap. Snap acquires Berlin company that helps online shoppers pick clothes that fit properly. And then he has a quote, Snap is purchasing the company as part of a long-term push to bring more e-commerce and in-app purchases to Snapchat, which is totally legit. But Craig, that's like your dream, right? Some kind of virtual fitting room so you can try on all those ASOS clothes? No, my dream is to name things better. That's always been my dream. Like I always like wish I could be part of Google when they release something really dumb. And in this case, I would not call it um, a long-term push to bring more e-commerce and in-app purchases to Snapchat. I call it in-snap purchases. Boom, billions. Wow. Hmm. Move over, charts. Greg's got a new passion. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. Like, who does that? (laughs) Just get rid of it. I'm over it. (laughs) Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. Opinion from Curtis Hoglin of AdAge. Influencer marketing is a $10 billion placebo. Influencers command attention, not intention. And basically, he has this opinion that despite being famous, um, influencers generate extremely low engagement um, in comparison to their fame. And he did include like a lot of actual statistics here. So according to influencer DB, um, a large, like a large user follower count, is actually correlated with a lower engagement rate. Agree. And um, and it's largely because a lot of their followers are bots. Like I gave an example of Ariana Grande, twenty six percent of her audience is bots. And that's not her fault. They're not purchase followers. They are just spam accounts that aren't real and they're not people you want to be paying for well, when you're paying an influencer. I agree, but I don't know if that's necessarily the crux of an argument that you should make about bots. It's more that you're when you're trying to influence all and you're like influencing I'm all influencing all teens, you're not really influencing a specific sector. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And that is kind of where this article gets to is that kind of the main point of it is that you shouldn't be going after influencers because of their fame or their reach. Like you shouldn't be going after like the TikTok star that's charging $100,000 per post because they have uh, over 100 million followers. You should go through someone that like makes sense with your brand and is like someone who is like considered like a peer to your persona, a persona. Um, so basically, they did like a test and they started going after just like everyday people who had like decent Instagram following. So they went after like nurses, teachers, essential workers, truck drivers, just like dads was a category. Ooh, I could be that. Give me some money. <laughs> and basically, I'm wearing a plaid shirt. <laughs> I, I think your zip off pants will qualify you. Yeah, yeah. regardless of shirt. Outdoor adventure influencer. I like this. Don't know how your hate for vacations would go. <laughs> Staycation influencer. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, Airbnb is not hiring you. (laughs) But basically working with like someone who like the audience would consider a peer rather than someone who is famous um, garnered 305% higher click-through rate and 
1,600% higher engagement rate on Facebook than who people would typically think of for influencers. So like those mega influencers. And out of all those campaign categories that I mentioned, the click-through rates were higher in all of them. Yeah. Um, with going after the person who people will see as a peer rather than the person that someone sees as like an influencer or a celebrity. Yeah. And I don't care if Airbnb doesn't hire me. I know they don't like performance marketing. That's fine. <laughs> but I, I actually almost bought something from an influencer, like a bushcraft influencer. But that's your But that's, that's it. Your jam. But it's like yeah. I trust what this person's saying. I know it's not Charlie D'Amelio or whatever. And I know that this person is out there using it. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah, look for yeah. people that are the right fit, not the right number. Mm-hmm. That's what you would do in any other form of marketing is find where your target audience is. Why wouldn't you do that with influencer marketing? Exactly. And it's like these people going after these huge influencers, they got like five seconds of buzz, maybe some brand awareness, but it doesn't, there's no intent signals there. Mm -hmm. And that is a big thing. And people feel good about it. They're spending this money and they're like, oh, it's the hot thing to do. But this has always been my gripe with influencer marketing. You go after what makes sense and not the biggest number. And now on to our segment segment. And first up, we have thanks, but no thanks. And Ikea has just turned its 2021 catalog into a four-hour podcast. For the first time ever, they didn't do the print version of their catalog. And instead, their team over at Ogilvy um, put in 135 hours of studio time to create an immersive and inspiring three-hour, 41-minute auditory experience for everyone to enjoy. Did you any of you happen to try to enjoy this? Horrific. No, they're selling unlistenable. Furniture. I want to see it. I couldn't follow the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is like the store. It is awful. It is terrible. The store is not awful, but well, no, the store isn't. But this I think podcast fun. I wish no. they would have done like kind of that thing a lot of brands have do, where they make a, like a short film featuring the right. products. Visual. I think that yes. would have been Visual. fun. But I don't need you to do a four-hour podcast about how to no. about your dresser and you just have to like imagine like i'm gonna imagine no caleb do you listen to the podcast yeah i was gonna say it reminded me of like those old radio shows in which you know it'd be like parquet margarine is the nutritious <laughs> choice for but it had like a similar thing and i, I don't think it plays well in the modern awful age. and mm-hmm. something else that i don't think is gonna play well and no thanks is google is unveiling a new nest hub and the new feature here is that it can track your sleep with radar. No. Any of y'all buying a new Nest Hub that, that has radar in the bedroom? No. no. <laughs> Sounds harmful. <laughs> I, I didn't know my bedroom was in a submarine. <laughs> Why do I need a radar? <laughs> I don't want the machines to know when Are I sleep because that's when they're going to come. When like your cat comes into the room in the middle of the night. <laughs> You're not sleeping well. Like, no, that was my cat. <laughs> All right. And now on to the thanks, but and thanks segment. <laughs> and there is a new tool called the Zoom Escaper. And it lets you sabotage your own meetings with audio problems, oh. crying babies and more and you can choose between echoes the little echo and, and uh john here at the team loves when the echo happens and it's like hello whoa, 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 and you can make that happen and we can make a bad connection you can have a man crying it's just super creepy and in the review i was reading the person put all the things on like a baby crying dogs wind construction echo and it was horrible but either way thanks if you need more time check that out the zoom escaper 
And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. One thing that's working really great for me this week is that my one of my favorite tools out there, HubSpot, released a new tool within their email marketing uh, tool um, called Health, and it's recently in beta. Ooh, does it have radar? <laughs> it doesn't have radar, but it does have <laughs> some tools that will help you find your way <laughs> to seeing how your email marketing is going. Um, but I guess I guess we probably shouldn't even talk about this now. It doesn't have radar. Um, but it gives you a really good overview of your email health and gives you summaries of key metrics, um, click-through rate, hard bounce rate, open rate, unsubscribe rate, and spam report rate that ultimately indicate the overall health of your email sending domain. And you can look at these for all emails. You can look at it for um, batch marketing emails versus email save for automation, or you can look at it for specific campaigns. So you can look at all of your email newsletters versus your nurture emails for a specific asset. And it's really easy to like dissect and identify different problems within your email marketing that you need to focus on and address. And it will even highlight your lowest and best performing emails and put those in a recommendation and put them into easy categories that are action needed, work to be done and on track comparing where you are compared to email marketing benchmarks, which is really cool and easy and super straightforward to understand. Jess, what's happened in your world? So in my world this week, just tales from troubleshooting, uh, we had set up tracking on PDF downloads. So just wanted to see where people were reading our case studies and things like that on a particular site. And we could not figure out for the life of us how this one person or one user was downloading a PDF on a page that had no PDFs on it. Turns out every page had a link to a PDF on it because there was something in the footer. So don't forget about the footer when you're setting up your tracking and your triggers in particular. So especially if it's something like something that's in the footer that's on every page, if you don't want to track that or you want to track it separately, just make sure to think about those links that are everywhere or you know anything that's everywhere. What about cool. you, Greg? Some things going on good here on my end are something that Mark put together here for the team. We have been bringing on more interns like the fabulous Caleb and Nicole on our team. Um, and Mark started putting together some 101 based content because typically the way we train is really like field work and kind of examples and in accounts. But sometimes I think we have a blind spot of seeing the bigger picture and we're just investing a lot in um, in training. And again, Mark's taking the lead on here, so I didn't really do it. I hardly worked, but Mark I'm was working hard. Working. And so I appreciate it. It's great. And just again, something that I think will really pay off is that training aspect. So uh, much appreciated. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. 
This week's cool tool is a script from Jose Hernando, that's at JL Hernando on Twitter, that lets you bulk export data from the index coverage report in Search Console. So doing this manually requires you to dive into each category and their then subcategory of the coverage status and exporting from there. So if you've got a lot of pages with errors or heaven forbid a variety of reasons why your content is being excluded, this could take you literally forever to extract. But there is no need for that. This script does all the heavy lifting for you and then it spits out a nice CSV file for you to work in with everything in one place. In addition to the script itself, Jose also has a blog post that outlines how to install and run it. So you can grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Glenn Gabe can rejoice. Get it all at once here. (laughs) Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. All right, and our must-read marketing article of the week comes from Motion, motionapp.com, and it's Elliot Brand, the product marketing manager there at Motion, at Elliot Brand on Twitter. And he breaks down the ideal ad naming convention for creative analysis. They're a creative kind of uh, tool that helps you test different creatives, but the thought process behind this was phenomenal. It talks about why naming matters, how you can format your names, what you must include in your naming, creative analysis and naming conventions. And there's something that's overlooked and you shouldn't overlook it. And this is a fantastic starting out point for you to make your naming convention right so that everything is easier. Life is easier when you go to analyze things. So thank you, Elliot. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Shooting the Hack, where after famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, I've got the documents again, the paper printouts, as we are doing trivia. And this week, we had St. Patrick's Day. So we've got trivia for Jess, Caleb, Mark, and the four-wheelers going down the street. That's just my uh, Zoom get out of jail freak. (laughs) (laughs) Echo, echo. All right, so don't say the real answer. It's it's true or false. You try to give an answer, and and we're going to see who's the best. But if I say true and it's wrong, then the next contestant's going to guess false. Okay, well, you'll see how this works, all right? (laughs) So maybe. We'll see. All right, so first question, and we'll go to Jess first, and then we'll go back Serpentine here. So what are some other names used to refer to St. Patrick's Day? True. Incorrect. Caleb. False. (laughs) <laughs> this is not it's a question. I don't understand. Wait, it's an answer. It's an answer. Well, you're supposed to. Uh, no, it's just an answer. Is it to me now? Yeah, okay, so you're saying true. true. <laughs> you're saying false. Is there another name for St. Patrick's? <laughs> you said this is another Thanks for the points, Jess. Appreciate it. Yeah, right? What Wait. is happening? Okay, you're all, all wrong. So everybody's. And Mark, you didn't even answer. St. Patty's Day. How unlucky. You guys, round one, all losses. St. Patty's Day. Wait, what was the answer? It was the day 
of the festival of Patrick. Wait, what? That is not. I demand a recount. It's not a true or false question. Pick it up with Parade Magazine. That's not even like. That's not even like a different name. Yeah. That's like the full name. Whereas like St. Patrick's well, Day is the name. Mark, nickname. you should have said that as your answer because you got it wrong. Yeah, okay, next birthday, up, Mark, we're dad. starting with you. Okay, Wait, it's not that his is birthday. Not it, it's not St. Patrick's birthday. But it's your dad's Listen, birthday. It's your it's that your turn. Okay, Sunday. ready? Um, no. And don't give me a true false. Give me an answer, okay? <laughs> Everybody. Green hasn't always been associated with St. Patrick's Day. That actually didn't happen until when? And um, British occupation of Ireland. Okay, Caleb, I need a year. <laughs> 1972. Okay, Jess? 1986. Caleb wins. Caleb's year is the closest. Yes, oh, it's oh, actually 1798. I, yeah, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you guys both won for something in the 20th century. I just assumed America right. made it green. Well, Caleb has one here. And it's yeah, I thought it was way. an advertising thing, to be honest. Like, That's right? Like Valentine's like Hallmark Day. Okay, Hallmark. Jess, we're going to start with you. And if you pick an answer, you cannot pick the same answer for the rest of the participants. To celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, Dublin hosts a huge festival that lasts how many days, Jess? One. Caleb. Three. Mark. Four. Mark is on the nose. It's one Caleb, one Mark here. Okay. Mark, what was St. Patrick's Day originally meant to celebrate? And this is a true or false question. That's just <laughs> <laughs> um, St. Patrick's return to Ireland. Okay. Caleb. The return of St. Patrick to Ireland. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> right in your coattails. But he was wrong, right? All so, right. Jess? No, I, I'm I not even to the end. Oh. <laughs> it was when. Caleb's just going for a tie here. All right, Jess. They got all the snakes out. Oh. Jess, you were actually wrong. That's good. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of the snakes, though. I feel you. I feel you. It was a day honoring St. Patrick for introducing Christianity to Ireland in the fifth century. Hmm. Okay. Here's an easy one. All right. So according to Irish legend, St. Patrick changed his name to Patricius after becoming a priest. What was his name at birth? Jess. Patrick. Okay. Caleb. Pat Jr. Mark. <laughs> Christopher. No, the correct answer is Maywen Suck Cat. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going to go to the tiebreaker here. It's Mark against Caleb. Can I still play? No, you're out. You can play. You can play, but you're out. I'm going to okay. name my son. The most popular suck. drink to have on St. Patrick's Day is Guinness. Roughly how many pints are served on St. Patty's Day? And we're starting with Caleb. Globally? Oh Talk to Parade. Caleb. Globally or... Locally, you gotta call Parade. Get on the blower with us. I am uh, so Team Caleb. Parade Magazine. We are not Team uh, Parade Magazine. Geez. No. 100,000. Okay, Mark. 101,000. Ooh, shots. <laughs> All right. Jess. 101,001. One oh, more than Mark. Oh, okay. But Jess wasn't in this. She She's doesn't have a point. In it. She's not in it, but she technically <laughs> won it. I always have a point. And she technically won that point, but Mark won the second point. So 
He is the winner. It was 13 million pints or so. Yeah, I mean, there's thousands. Look, I want to play it safe because you don't know if it's going parades, a city, you know, nationally, globally. I know. We tried to get that information. Well, Mark, how many pints of Guinness that were drank at my parents' house on Sunday? And that all prepped you for the win. Congratulations. And we will see you next week. Thanks for watching this episode of Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more, we release new episodes every Friday with all the digital marketing news of the week. You can listen and subscribe wherever you consume your podcasts. Or click to read all the articles from this show or watch the previous episode.